Well, good morning. Such a blessing to be here with you today. We appreciate you choosing to come out here in the worship of an awesome God who blesses us beyond all measure. We appreciate you choosing to be here with us, and if it is your first time visiting here, we want to welcome you to La Prada Drive Church of Christ and pray that you found a church that loves, a church that welcomes, and a church that seeks truth and seeks to worship God in the way that he wants to be worshiped. We invite you back anytime you can come back and join with us. We're going to be discussing the final portion of a series of sermons about this idea of serving God where you are. As you might recall, we've been focusing on the prophet Ezekiel. First, we showed how Ezekiel was set to be a priest. He had his whole life planned out. He was set to serve God in the great temple, but all that changed when Ezekiel, and everyone he knows, is brought into Babylonian captivity, enslaved and broken. But Ezekiel, despite failed plans, despite broken expectation, served God where he was at. We focused on a couple of characteristics and ways Ezekiel was going to serve God. First off, Ezekiel was going to have to serve God through immense trials and tribulations. He was enslaved, right? Much like the Apostle Paul. We talked some about the Apostle Paul and how he went through trial after trial, shipwreck, imprisonment, beatings. And he would go on to educate the Philippian church about perseverance through trials. Secondly, we discussed the idea of youth. If you recall, Ezekiel was a young man, barely 30 years old when he entered into the priesthood. And God comes to him with a vision. And we use the application of that study to talk to the youth today. And we want you to know, young people here this morning, you can start today by dedicating and devoting your life to the service of God and the furtherance of his kingdom. And lastly, this morning, we're going to be looking at the most difficult thing that Ezekiel and most of us here today deal with when serving God. And that's finding a way to serve God when everyone around you is not. The story of Ezekiel is one that I find to be pretty fascinating. It's a story of a prophet prophesying to God's people. And on the outside, it might sound kind of bland and normal when compared to Old Testament prophets. Ezekiel, however, was given a task that would make most of us this morning shiver. And this morning we're going to take a deeper look at Ezekiel and see some of the charges that God's going to place upon him and the problems that Ezekiel's going to face when trying to obey God. If you recall, Ezekiel was sitting by the captives among the river Kabar and he sees this magnificent vision from God in chapter 1. And we don't have time to cover that vision this morning, so what we will do is skip over to chapter 2. So if you would, if you'd like to follow along, or the verses will be on the screen, we're going to start in Ezekiel chapter 2 this morning. We're going to read the entirety of that chapter. It's ten verses. Ezekiel chapter 2, starting in verse 1, says, And he said unto me, Son of man, stand upon thy feet, and I will speak unto thee. And the Spirit entered into me when he spake unto me, and set me upon my feet, that I heard him that spake unto me. And he said unto me, Son of man, I send thee to the children of Israel, to a rebellious nation that hath rebelled against me. They and their fathers have transgressed against me even unto this very day, for they are impudent children and stiff-hearted. I do send thee unto them, and thou shalt say unto them, Thus saith the Lord God, and they, whether they will hear or whether they will forbear, for they are a rebellious house, yet shall know that there hath been a prophet among them. And thou, son of man, be not afraid of them, neither be afraid of their words. Though briars and thorns be with thee, and thou dost dwell among scorpions, 
Be not afraid of their words, nor be dismayed at their looks, though they be a rebellious house. And thou shalt speak my words unto them, whether they will hear or whether they will forbear, for they are most rebellious. But thou, son of man, hear what I say unto thee. Be not thou rebellious like that rebellious house. Open thy mouth and eat that I give thee. And when I looked, behold, an hand was sent unto me, and lo, a roll of a book was therein. And he spread it before me, and it is written within and went out without. And there was written therein lamentations and mourning and woe. This morning we're going to take four points away from this interaction between Ezekiel and God. We're going to discuss what we can learn about following Christ and standing for Christian principles in, quite frankly, a very unchristian society. The first thing I want us to recognize this morning is that God calls every single one of us, whether you want to or not as a Christian, to stand. Recall verse 1, God says to stand upon thy feet and I will speak unto thee. What we have here for the first time is God calling Ezekiel to his service. He essentially tells him to stand up, get ready to hear the instruction, get ready to receive your task. And just like Ezekiel, as a Christian, you too have been called to serve. Regardless of where you are in your life, regardless of your situation, God requires you to stand and God requires you to serve. You know, Israel had been practicing idolatry and had been moving in a direction away from God for many, many years at this point. And now Ezekiel is going to be the prophet that that brings them back to being a God-fearing nation. And I don't think that's a task many of us would want to encounter or deal with. I'm reminded of something Paul says in the letter to the Ephesian church in chapter 4. Paul says this to the church at Ephesus. He says, and he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. You know, each of us here serve God and serve this church in very different ways. Some members may be gifted speakers with the capability of reaching their audience, teaching and spreading the word of God, delicately yet truthfully expounding upon principles found in that book. Some members may be good at song leading or have beautiful singing, truly able to engage the audience in praise and worship on the first day of the week. Some members may be able to effectively pray in a public assembly, pray to God on behalf of the saints gathered here to worship. Some members may be the best door openers and greeters that this world has ever seen. You have the capability to draw people into this church, to welcome visitors and make a lasting impression. That's a great thing. Some may be able to visit the elderly. Some may cook meals for our dinners here. Some interact with children, clean the church, take out the trash. Whatever your role is here, I want you to know this morning that your role, whatever it is, is vital to our success in this family here at La Prada Drive Church of Christ. And I also want you to know that when it comes to service to God and service to this church, there is no difference in the body of Christ. Without each and every one of us, fingers, hearts, arms, legs, toenails, whatever you want to call it, every single one of us have to be willing to serve for this body to function. You may think your role is more behind the scenes, if you will. And I want you to know that it doesn't matter what your role is. It doesn't matter how little you think it might be. 
as long as you are actively serving God in the best way that you can. Your role could be very simply being here and engaging and actively participating in the worship service. Whether you realize it or not, that alone serves to edify and encourage the body of Christ. And what a blessing that is. All of us have been called to serve in whatever that capacity is. But one thing we do need to understand this morning is that that call to service, that call to stand and hear the instruction like God did to Ezekiel, is something that we have to do regardless of what's going on around you. Despite living in a culture that rejects God, that wants to push us further from God, we are commanded to be servants of Him and disciples of Christ. Think back on people of old. Noah was called to serve at a time where him and his family were the only ones serving God. Moses was called to bring the children out of, Israel, or out of Egypt, and he was talked to Pharaoh and all these people in Egypt that were not following God. And we can go on and on with examples, but the truth is, as Christians, we aren't to follow God only when it's convenient. We aren't called to serve only when everyone around us is as well. We're called to serve at all times, even if we're the only ones willing to stand. And that's exactly what's going on with Ezekiel, isn't it? To place some context, I want to read for you this morning an encounter between Ezekiel and God in the sixth chapter. I'm going to give you some context on, on kind of what's going on with Ezekiel and what he's going to have to do. In Ezekiel chapter 6, let's read this first seven verses of Ezekiel chapter 6. It says, And the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Son of man, set thy face toward the mountain of Israel, and prophesy against them. And say, Ye mountains of Israel, hear the word of the Lord God. Thus saith the Lord God to the mountains and to the hills, to the rivers and to the valleys, Behold, I, even I, will bring a sword upon you, and I will destroy your high places. And your altars shall be desolate, and your images shall be broken, and I will cast down your slain men before your idols. And I will lay the dead carcasses of the children of Israel before their idols, and I will scatter your bones round about your altars. And all your dwelling places, the cities shall be laid waste, and the high places shall be desolate, that your altars may be laid waste and made desolate, and your idols may be broken and cease, and your images may be cut down, and your words, works may be abolished. And the slain shall fall in the midst of you, and ye shall know that I am the Lord. I want you to know this morning that Ezekiel wasn't being called to go move some chairs downstairs where Brad was already moving them. Ezekiel wasn't being asked to preach to a group of godly people who would receive that message. Ezekiel was being asked to serve God by prophesying against the children of Israel. That's what Ezekiel's task was. And just like Ezekiel, there will be times in your life as a Christian that you are to serve God when no one else is. There will be times that you have to make a choice. Do I take a stand? Do I do what's right? Or do I just go along with society? When your friends want to go out and get drunk on a Friday night, what's your answer? You say yes, do you give in? Or do you follow God? When the opportunity to cheat on that test arises, you won't get caught. Everyone else is doing it. The answer key's already out there. What's your answer? Here's one that steps on everyone's toes. When your brothers and sisters are talking about someone, can you believe what Sean said from the pulpit last Sunday? Do you join in? Or do you stand and say, I'm going to serve God? I hope and pray that you have the courage to stand. I hope and pray you choose to serve when no one else is, just like Ezekiel. 
Well, Ethan, we, we understand there's a need to serve. We understand that we need to stand. But man, that's just hard sometimes. I don't know how to do that. I don't, I don't think I can do that. I'm not strong enough. That leads us to the second point of the morning. When discussing standing for God, I want you to know this morning that you are not alone and that God is with you, especially in those moments. Reflect back on the second verse in Ezekiel chapter 2. It says this, it says, And the Spirit entered into me when he spake unto me and set me upon my feet, that I heard him that spake unto me. I want you to glean something from that verse there. It reads, The Spirit entered into me. That's the Spirit of God entering into Ezekiel. And what does the Spirit do? It says it sets Ezekiel upon his feet. Do you realize the power of that verse? Do you recognize what God's trying to tell you there? Ezekiel may have had a will. Ezekiel may have had the power to stand on his own. We don't know that he was paralyzed. He could have very well stood up. And Ezekiel may have been full and ready to accomplish whatever tasks that he was going to be given. But what sticks out to me is that he didn't have to be. And he was not going to do it alone. God was there with him, and the Spirit set him upon his feet. What a blessing that is for us to realize, to recognize, at least for the Christian that there is never a moment in your life when you are alone. God is always with you. God is always helping you stand. Think back to the story of a young man named David. David's brothers were off in battle with the Philistine army, and this Philistine army had presented a giant named Goliath 40 days in a row as a champion to the Lord's army, Saul's army. And David goes to Saul and says in simple words, put me in, coach. David was a small boy. What in the world was he going to do against Goliath? Of course, he has a slingshot. David has to perfectly aim this slingshot, deliver a blow to Goliath to kill the champion. You know what the truth is? David was outgunned. David was outmatched. And there was no way that young boy could defeat that nine-foot-tall Goliath. It wasn't going to happen. The Philistine army is probably cheering when they see David walk out. They think the match is already over. They're picking up all their cooking supplies. They're getting out of there. They've won the war. Brethren, I want to ask you a question this morning. Who was the underdog in that story? Most scholars will say David was the underdog in the fight because he's smaller, he's younger, he doesn't have battle experience. But God was going to be with him and he was going to guide that rock. That that was what was going to help David, but he was still the underdog. And that might have been true. But what I'd like to submit to you this morning is that Goliath instead was the underdog. Goliath was in the worst position you could ever find yourself in, at odds with the Almighty God. 1 Samuel 17 and verse 37, David said, Moreover, the Lord that delivered me out of the paw of the lion and out of the paw of the bear, he will deliver me out of the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said unto David, Go, and the Lord be with thee. As much as David had stacked against him, no matter what the odds said, no matter how scared he was to fight Goliath, David realized a simple truth, that God will set him upon his feet. That when David was serving and standing for God, he was never alone. And that simple truth stands as true today as it did the day God set Ezekiel upon his feet and the day David stepped out onto that battlefield to face Goliath. Brothers and sisters, when you serve God, when you find yourself standing for God, I pray that you recognize that you were never alone. David would go on in Psalms 23 to say this, 
He would say, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in paths of righteousness for His name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For Thou art with me. Thy rod and Thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. When you find yourself facing those moments when you're on your knees trying to find a will, trying to find a passion to serve God, when you think you're all alone in your pursuit of righteousness and no one else is, know that God is right beside you in those trenches. Know that you are not alone. And there will be times that you feel like you can't stand anymore, that the whole world's against you. Your friends, your co-workers, sadly, maybe even our families are pinned against you in your quest for truth. Recognize that just like Ezekiel and just like David, God will set you upon your feet if you stand and seek after him. The third thing that I want us to glean this morning about serving God when no one else is, is that confidence in God overcomes the fear of evil. Look back at verse 6 in Ezekiel chapter 2. It says, And thou, son of man, be not afraid of them, neither be afraid of their words. Though briars and thorns be with thee, and thou dost dwell among scorpions, be not afraid of their words, nor be dismayed at their looks, though they be a rebellious house. Look at what God says to Ezekiel here. He says you have no reason to be afraid. Don't be afraid of their words. Don't be afraid of their looks. You know, when I was studying, trying to figure out why God said this to Ezekiel, why does God feel it's necessary to address Ezekiel's potential fears? Because it's a natural human reaction to be fearful, isn't it? You think Paul was afraid walking into places spreading the gospel? You bet he was. You think Daniel was nervous those lions might have been a little hungrier than he expected? You better believe it. You think Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego had any sense of anxiety walking into that flame? They were human. Of course they did. But I want you to recognize what all of these men had in common. And that was confidence in their God. Having confidence in your God when serving Him when others aren't is absolutely vital if you're going to be successful at this. So I want to ask you a question this morning. Where does your confidence come from? Statistics show that people gain confidence from a lot of different things. Some people gain confidence from their work or their career, don't they? You ever known someone like that? The only thing they can think about, the only thing they focus on is their work and their colleagues. Their entire embodiment of self-worth derives solely off of how valuable they are in their workplace. And that's where their confidence comes from. Those people aren't very fun to be around, are they? All they ever talk about is what they're doing at work, right? Because that's where their confidence comes from. That's who they are inside, at their very core. You know, Bailey has worked very hard to get where she is today in her career. I love hearing stories about what she sees, what she gets to do. But what I find fascinating is that as much as a right she has to tell me about all those stories, how hard she works, whatever she does during the day, most of our conversations don't revolve around that at all. And I'm not saying that it's wrong to talk about your work. I hope you don't think I'm saying that. But what I am saying is that your work should not be the sole source of your confidence. 
because if it is, you have failed. Others find confidence in their hobbies, the things that make them who they are, the things that make them happy. You know, Brad and Brent, they love to fish. And I promise you, if you ask Brad about his fishing, he could tell you all about his boat, where he goes, what kind of fish he catches, the bait he uses, all that stuff. But you know what the truth is? That isn't all who Brad is, is it? Because that isn't where Brad gets his confidence from. Sure, fishing is great. I enjoy fishing. I like to hunt. But if that is where my confidence comes from, that I'm a great fisherman, then I've failed, haven't I? Some people, unfortunately, find confidence in things that are a little more detrimental, spiritually, emotionally, and physically. In fact, I would say the majority of people in this world find confidence in sin. And this sin could be anything. Some people find confidence in drugs, always seeking to find a perverted sense of self-worth when they get high. Some may seek confidence in alcohol. They feel right at home, right with the world when they're drunk, sitting in a bar. They have confidence in being the life of the party. I'm sure you all know someone like that. Some may find confidence in gossiping or putting others down. You ever met someone like that? That's the worst, isn't it? Every conversation you have, they're constantly degrading others to, in a polluted sense, elevate themselves. It's a tough person to be around. And they do that because that is where their confidence comes from. I challenge you this morning to find a confidence that is eternal. Find a confidence that brings you hope of salvation, hope of a better future. Find confidence in your Savior and find confidence in your salvation. I want you to think about something for a minute. If I'm placed in a situation where I'm asked to travel for a big work meeting, something I don't have to do, just something that would be interesting, maybe fun to do, something the boss wants me to go do, maybe there's some incentives. But unfortunately, that job is going to take you away from your family, your church family, and away from your God. You're faced with a choice, aren't you? I can tell you that choice will be made and will be driven depending on where your confidence lies. When you're placed in a position to stand for God, to stand and serve Him when others aren't, if your confidence is found in your work, guess what your decision is going to be? You're going to take that job and you're going to find self-worth in that job. When your friends ask you to come get drunk or gossip, whatever the case is, if that's where your confidence is found, it's going to be tough to stand for God. It's going to be tough to make the right decision. But it's when your confidence lies in God that you have nothing to be afraid of. Nothing to be ashamed of in those moments. God tells Ezekiel to be not afraid of their words. Be not afraid even though he stands amongst scorpions. And Ezekiel doesn't find himself being afraid, does he? And the reason is, is because his confidence is found in something more powerful than any of the words they could say to him. More powerful than anything the children of Israel could do to him. His confidence is found in an almighty God. Every one of us will be called to serve in situations when others aren't. All of us will be called to stand for God, and that may risk the occasional name-calling. It might forfeit a worldly reputation. I want you to recognize a truth that Jesus says in Matthew 5 and 10. He says, Blessed are they that are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. When you serve your work and that work becomes your confidence and your purpose, that work will be what you choose over God. And that work and your boss's praise will be your reward. 
When you choose to hunt on a Sunday morning instead of worshiping God, your reward will be those ducks or that deer. When you choose to get drunk or high and keep seeking that next hit, that bottle will be what you choose instead of God. And you will find yourself endlessly chasing the desire or pursuit of self-desire that can never be quenched. But when you serve and stand for God, no matter how tough the situation may be, no matter how many relationships, friendships, names, and I pray it never comes to it, but no matter how many beatings you take, you will choose God because that is where your confidence comes from. And your reward is the kingdom of heaven. I pray this morning that your confidence aligns with God and that you recognize that when you stand for righteousness, you stand for holiness, your reward is righteousness one day in the sight of God. Now you might say, well, Ethan, it's all fun and games to talk about standing up for God. It's awesome to think about being the man or woman that looks at the world looks at our families and says, you know what, I'm going to serve for God. That sounds great. But it's harder than you think. What am I even supposed to do? What can I, just a single person, a single Christian, trying to find my way in this world, what can I do to make a difference? And that leads us to the final point of the morning. You serve God when no one else is by sharing His truth regardless of the outcome. Reflect back to verse 7 in Ezekiel chapter 2. God says this to Ezekiel. He says, And thou shalt speak my words unto them, whether they will hear or whether they will forbear, for they are most rebellious. I want to break this down into a couple different points, and we'll shift our focus for the rest of the sermon. The first thing that God tells Ezekiel in this verse is that he will speak God's words unto them. He will speak the word of God. I want you to think about the simplicity, yet awesome responsibility God just gave Ezekiel. Keep in mind the context here. Ezekiel's human, just like you and I. And God tells him that he's going to go out and serve in a land where everyone around him has fallen away. In fact, God, in this very verse, calls all of Israel a rebellious house. What do you think Ezekiel is feeling? What could he be thinking? I can tell you it's probably the same thing you feel whenever you find yourself in a similar situation. And this situation, even more so lately with the current culture and society, seems to be happening a whole lot more frequently, doesn't it? How do you feel in those moments? When the kid at school is making fun of religion, making fun of you for attending church instead of going to the baseball game? How about when a coworker a few cubicles away or bragging about their weekend conquest, or how they want to raise their kids in a way that doesn't show the love of God. You have to stand for truth, right? But it can be a little daunting. Maybe you're a little bit afraid, nervous, anxious, worried about what your family might think, your friends. And when those moments hit, and you freeze, and you don't know what to do, I want you to think about what God tells Ezekiel in this very simple passage. God says, speak my words unto them. That's it, brethren. It is that simple. The world is going to judge you for a lot of things as a Christian. They're going to judge your decisions. They're going to judge your actions. And they are going to judge you for simply being who you are. But I want you to know this morning that they judge you because they wish, deep down, that they could have your life. They want nothing more to belong to have a sense of purpose, to have meaning. 
Next time you're being made fun of for having to miss a get-together because you have church that evening, keep in mind what God says to Ezekiel. When your family's upset with you, speak the word of God to them because that is who you serve. Tell them the truth. My place on Sunday morning, Sunday nights, and Wednesday nights is in an assembly worshiping my God. When you have friends that want to engage in sinful acts and make fun of you for your faith, choose to show them the love of Jesus. Choose to teach them the paths that lead to life. Engage with them about how merciful your God is and that He saves someone as evil and sinful and as dirty as you. It's really that simple. Teach Jesus, teach Bible, serve God when others aren't. And you do that by taking the focus off of you and putting the focus on God's Word. But Ethan, man, some, some people just they don't want to listen. Some will even make fun of me even more at the fact that I'm now standing for God in those moments. How do I deal with that? How do I keep standing when they're just beating me down? I want you to notice what God tells Ezekiel in the second part of this verse. He says, whether they will hear or whether they will forbear, for they are most rebellious. You serve God, you stand for God, you teach, preach the word of God, whether they will hear it or whether they will brush it off. You know, there's going to be plenty of situations you find yourself in in this life where you'll be discussing topics of extreme controversy in which your faith and your innermost beliefs are put on trial. And it's real easy to think in those situations, well, you know, whoever I'm talking to, they're not going to understand it. They're going to refuse it. They're a rebellious house. Why should I even waste my breath? As we bring this talk to a close this morning, I'm going to give you two final reasons why you should be willing to serve and stand for God, even if they will not hear you and even if they are rebellious. The first thing I want you to understand is that you are commanded to teach others. Romans chapter 10 and verse 13, Paul says this to the Christians at Rome. He says, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. How then shall they call upon Him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in Him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent as it is written? How beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring good t- glad tidings of good things. Recognize this morning that as a Christian, you have been called to spread the good news. You have been called to a ministry with life-saving rewards. But you've also been called to a ministry with life-changing repercussions as well. You want to know why it's so hard for people to follow God? You want to know why it's easier for people to just make fun of and persecute the Christian rather than accept the truth? Because when they accept that truth, they have to accept the whole truth and change their life. Think about that for a minute. When you accepted the gospel, you put to death your old self in baptism and you rose to walk as a God-fearing Christian. But those earthly passions that you had before are still there. And now those things you desired after are now battles with sin that you're going to have to fight the rest of your life. And some hear the truth, hear the gospel, know the truth, but instead of listening and acting, push it away and keep their old life. But brethren, this morning, that does not give you the right to withhold the gospel from a potential soul being saved. Matthew 28, 19 says, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. Brethren, I want you to recognize something this morning. 
Jesus leaves no exclusions. Jesus didn't say share the gospel when it's easy for you. Jesus didn't say, you know, withhold it if they're making fun of you. If you're being persecuted, just, just cancel it and talk about it next week. Or only do it when you have to stand for me. He said, teach all nations. The second point I want to make on this topic is simply, and it's sad, but some will still refuse to hear. But that shouldn't discourage you in any way. I'm reminded of a story with the Apostle Paul in the 26th chapter of Acts. If you recall, Paul is imprisoned. He's in chains. King Felix puts Paul in prison for multiple years in a roundabout way as a favor to the Jews who wanted him in prison. Felix passes authority to Festus, and now Festus is going to employ the help of King Agrippa, and Paul is now answering for his accusations from the Jews to King Agrippa. And in the 26th chapter of the book of Acts, we have an entire dialogue between Paul, Festus, and Agrippa. Paul explains Jesus. He explains his conversion to Agrippa, makes arguments about how Christ is who we now follow. And I encourage you, if you've never read that, to read the 26th chapter of Acts sometime. But for the sake of time this morning, I want to read you what Paul or what Agrippa says to Paul at the end of his defense. In verse 24, Luke records this. He says, And as he thus spake for himself, Festus said with a loud voice, Paul, thou art beside thyself. Much learning doth make thee mad. So he calls Paul crazy. But he said, I am not mad, most noble Festus. This is Paul speaking. But speak forth the words of truth and soberness. For the king knoweth of these things, speaking of Agrippa, before whom also I speak freely. For I am persuaded that none of these things are hidden from him, for this thing was not done in a corner. King Agrippa, believest thou the prophets? I know that thou believest. Then Agrippa looks to Paul, and he says, Almost thou persuaded me to be a Christian. It's a sad scenario, isn't it? Paul gives one of the greatest testimonies to Christ, one of the best explanations of the gospel and conversion story anyone's ever heard. Can you imagine the power in Paul's voice, the conviction in his eyes, and all Agrippa can muster is, Paul, you almost had me. You were that close. Brethren, there will be moments when you choose to stand for God when you decide to respond to that persecution or name slandering or whatever the case is, and you'll stand for truth and you'll make an impact on someone's life. And brethren, you'll come that close. You'll almost have them. And just like Agrippa, they may still turn away. But that cannot and should not stop you from sharing the truth anyway. Because that is what you are commanded to do. And brethren, quite frankly, the people you're talking to might not even be the real reason you should stand for God. Stand for God for that guy off to the side. That guy lurking in the shadows, listening and watching you. Maybe God puts you in a situation to teach the gospel to someone who is stiff-hearted. Someone who is of that rebellious house like Ezekiel. But the real reason you're there is because the guy in the other cubicle has been listening to your conversation all week. And he now knows the truth because you chose to take a stand. There are billions of souls that depend on your willingness to see past their pride, past their slandering, past their evil, and see what God sees. A creation from a loving Heavenly Father. This morning we've discussed for a few minutes the idea of serving God when no one around you is. 
We discussed the fact that God calls each of us to stand and calls all of us to stand regardless of the situation. We then discussed the fact that when you serve God and when you stand for God in those moments, no matter how much it feels like it, you are never alone. We then discussed the idea of maintaining confidence in God and not letting worldly things get in the way despite greater issues in this life. And then we close with the idea of serving God when no one is by speaking His words regardless of the potential consequences. Ezekiel would go on to serve God in the capacity that he could and would serve God where he found himself. In Ezekiel 22 and verse 30, God says this. He says, And I sought for a man among them that should make up the hedge and stand in the gap before me for the land, that I should not destroy it, but I found none. Therefore have I poured out mine indignation upon them. I have consumed them with the fire of my wrath. Their own way have I recompensed upon their heads, saith the Lord God. Brethren, God is looking, seeking earnestly for men and women to stand up and say, I'm going to put God first. Men and women willing to serve. Christians that say, God, I'll stand in the gap. I'll make up the hedge and I will serve you. This morning I want to ask you one question. When you're called to serve and you're the only one who will, what will be your answer? I want to close this morning with, reading, with a reading out of the book of Joshua, if you want to turn there with me. Joshua chapter 24. And we'll close from there. Joshua chapter 24, we're going to read the first 15 verses of this chapter. It's a very powerful chapter. <clears throat> Joshua chapter 24, starting in verse 1. It says, And Joshua gathered all the tribes of Israel to Shechem, and called for the elders of Israel and for their heads and for their judges and for their officers. And they presented themselves before God. And Joshua said unto all the people, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, Your fathers dwelt on the other side of the flood in old time, even Terah, the father of Abraham and the father of Nacor, and they served other gods. And I took your father Abraham from the other side of the flood and led him throughout all the land of Canaan and multiplied his seed and gave him Isaac. And I gave unto Isaac, Jacob, and Esau, and I gave unto Esau Mount Seir to possess. But Jacob and his children went down into Egypt. I sent Moses also and Aaron, and I plagued Egypt according to that which I did among them. And afterward, I brought you out. And I brought your fathers out of Egypt, and ye came unto the sea, and the Egyptians pursued after your fathers with chariots and horsemen under the Red Sea. And when they cried unto the Lord, he put darkness between you and the Egyptians and brought the sea upon them and covered them. And your eyes have seen what I have done in Egypt, and ye dwelt in the wilderness a long season. And I brought you into the land of the Amorites, which dwelt on the other side of Jordan. And they fought with you, and I gave them into your hand, that you might possess their land, and I destroyed them from before you. Then Balak, the son of Zippor, king of Moab, arose and warred against Israel, and sent and called Balaam, the son of Beor, to curse you. But I would not hearken unto Balaam, therefore he blessed you still, so I delivered you out of his hand. And you went over Jordan and came unto Jericho, and the men of Jericho fought against you, the Amorites and the Perizzites and the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Gigrashites and the Hivites and the Jebusites, and I delivered them into your hand. And I sent the hornet before you, which drave them out of the, before you, even the two kings of the Amorites, but not with thy sword nor with thy bow. And I have given you a land for which ye did not labor, and cities which ye built not, and ye dwell in them, of the vineyards and olive yards which ye planted, not do you eat. 
Now therefore fear the Lord and serve Him in sincerity and in truth and put away the gods which your father served on the other side of the flood and in Egypt and serve ye the Lord. And if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom you will serve. Whether the gods which your father served that were on the other side of the flood or the God of the Amorites in whose land ye dwell, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. This morning you have a choice to make. You have a choice if you're going to serve other gods and serve yourself or if you're going to serve the Almighty God. The same God who sent His Son to die on the cross for your sins so that you could be saved from those sins. And He extends that hand of mercy, that hand of forgiveness, and asks you to join Him in the watery grave of baptism and walk in newness of life as a God-fearing Christian. Maybe this morning you've realized that your response to serving God when others aren't isn't exactly how it should be. And we can pray with you this morning. We're happy to assist you. We stand this morning never as your judge, but always as your servant. If you would, come forward as we stand and as we sing.